you're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. <laughs> this podcast is taking a turn. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We once spent a New Year's Eve together in Denny's in San Antonio, and it was really the low point of my life. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry. I am producer of the show. We're going to talk to Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney here in a second. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of coaching searches. we got Tennessee, Florida, Nebraska, possibly Texas A&M. So we will get into that, get into the groomers. Farrell, what's the latest with, with Tennessee and John Gruden? I just wanted to talk about the groomers because I just don't know what's real or what's not because it all seems like deja vu to me. You know, I, I think Clay Travis just mentioned in his groomer diary that that he feels that John Gruden's going to be the guy um, and that it's going to happen. And then there was a local reporter who mentioned that Gruden's reaching out to other coaching friends to assemble a staff and all that. But we've heard this before. I mean, we hear this all the time. So. I don't have any concrete information on whether it is or isn't going to happen. I just think John Gruden, this is my take, is a guy who loves the attention. I think he's tempted, but I don't think he wants to get into recruiting and all the other garbage that comes with college football. I think he's using the attention to drum up interest for any other NFL jobs, but he doesn't even need to do that because he would be hired at, at, at numerous other NFL teams in, in a second. Um, but to me, yesterday... The groomers were so strong that it was a done deal. He was coming to Tennessee, and I'm waiting for you know the pin to hit that balloon and have it just deflate on the Vols fan base, so that we can get down to some some realistic targets and guys that might actually end up there. But could you imagine if they ended up hiring like Jeff Brom or something? <laughs> you know, like after you know the groomers and then Dan Mullen and talk about James Franklin and all this other stuff, and then they end up with a really meager hire. Um, that fan base will go nuts. But weren't there groomers with Derek Dooley? Yeah, there's all there's always this with Gruden and Tennessee and this infatuation. I'll start believing it once their na- the names of the assistants that he's talking to, the staff, if they're a bunch of big-time recruiters, because he doesn't know the first thing about recruiting in college football. Um, he could probably recruit pretty well himself, but like he even admitted, he'd be breaking the rules from day one because he doesn't even know any of them. So my my take on this is probably just as good as anyone else's. No one knows anything. Uh, if the Tampa Bay Bucks job opens, that's his. He's not going to go to Tennessee. I think he's looking for an NFL job first. If none of those pop open, um, I think he probably returns to Monday Night Football. I just cannot buy into the Tennessee thing. I think the fans want it so bad that they're going to believe anything uh, just because he's talked to coaching friends doesn't mean that it's to assemble a staff at Tennessee. Um, I think the smartest thing that Tennessee could do is go to Starkville, Mississippi, and get Dan Mullen, and he has a pretty good staff and would do a great job in Knoxville. And I think Gruden makes eight million or something in his TV deal. Yeah, it, it, he would. He would essentially be having to take a pay cut, a drastic pay cut. Or, or they would have to pony up some serious money to get him, which you know they also have to buy out for. Um, Butch Jones, but it's not like they don't have the money. They could do that. But but now, they're you know, with the way ESPN is going, um, you know, John Skipper got extended out to 2021, which is flabbergasting, I guess. Um, you know, but all the, all the talent they've cut and the pay cuts of the guys that have stayed there, 
you know, there's talks that, you know, the NFL uh, attendance is down, NFL viewership's down. Um, maybe Gruden might have to take a pay cut. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. But why would you take on the job that's the hardest job in all of sports, which is uh, a football coach in college football? I mean, it, it's harder than any other job that I can think of because, you know, basketball coaches recruit a smaller pool of players. Um, football, you have to recruit such a large group of players. It's year-round. You can't go on vacation and turn your cell phone off. Um there's just no life. Now, I know Gruden's the guy that wakes up at, what, 4 a.m., and he's in the office breaking down film for 10 hours or 20 hours. Or I also think he would have a big problem with the NCAA restrictions on practice time. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that lives and breathes football, and then you go to say him that you can only have X amount of days of practice and X amount of hours of practice in the spring. I mean, we've seen those rules broken. I think that would be another area that he would have trouble. Now, here's the big question. Let's say they get the hire. How do we know he's going to be any good? He could suck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to take a few years. It's not exactly like that roster is loaded with extreme talent that could win the SEC from day one. Um, Georgia's not going anywhere. Um you know, there's only so many X's and O's you can do. I, I think that, that I think hiring him is actually a bad thing for Tennessee fans because you're going to get your the expectations are going to be so through the roof that if you don't beat Nick Saban year one in in Atlanta and go to the national championship, then everybody's going to be disappointed. Um, you know, this is a guy who is a Super Bowl champion, but let's not forget he's 95 and 81 as an NFL coach. It's not exactly like uh, you know this is Bill Parcells here. Yeah, and I think he would be similar to a Harbaugh hire. Um, and Harbaugh did very good things in replacing Brady Hoke, and I think Jude, John Gruden could do very good things in replacing Butch Jones. But Harbaugh has still yet to break through. He still hasn't won his division. He certainly hasn't won the Big Ten. He certainly hasn't gone to the playoff. And every year that he doesn't do that, um, you know, people get a little bit more disappointed. The fan base is happy with Jim Harbaugh, as they should be. I mean, they're 8-2, and two, they're back in the top 25, and they lost all those starters last year. But I think what gets the fan base the most is the amount of ridicule from other fan bases that your coach has never finished higher than, what, third, is it, in his own division? Right. Um, your coach has never won his division. Your coach has never won anything at, at the college level. Um, Urban Meyer owns him. I think you'd hear a whole lot of that for Tennessee fans if Gruden – let's say, finish second in his division behind Kirby Smart in Georgia every year. Or <clears throat> let's say he even broke through and went to the championship game like McIlwain did a couple of years, but then they got absolutely croaked and destroyed by Alabama. The level of success John Gruden needs to reach at Tennessee is winning the SEC, not the division, winning it all, right. and, win and winning a national championship. That is what is expected if they hire John Gruden. That's what's expected from Jim Harbaugh. And those expectations can really lead to, you know, a lot of a lot of joy that you've got a good coach and that you're improving your product, but also a lot of frustration when other fans are are hitting you up every second, your buddies reminding you that, uh, hey, you know, look, Wisconsin's going to go to the playoff before Michigan does, and Michigan State went to the playoff before Michigan does, and Ohio State won a national championship recently. And what has Michigan done? Uh, I don't know 
if Vols fans have the temperament to handle that. But I think he would be a, certainly a great hire. That, that's my yeah, absolutely a great hire. But there would be a, a huge adjustment period. Let's not forget he's not going to be in coaching for I think it would be nine years, maybe ten seasons, uh, which is hard to believe. John Gruden's been out of coaching for that long, and groomers have happened every single year since then with with no, with without him going anywhere. And and I would say even Harbaugh had a jump and a better understanding of the college game because he was at Stanford and San Diego before you know he was in the NFL where he did have a, like a comprehension of the practice schedule. He did have an understanding of how difficult it could be to recruit and always kissing butts of recruits, even committed ones. And you know John Gruden's a guy. Yeah, he gets to the office early. Good for him. He watches a lot of tape. Good for him. But you know, you cannot, you never tell the whim of a 17 year old who hears from another coach that, you know, he wants to go there or Gruden's going to leave for the NFL the first second he gets. The majority, I believe, of a coach's day is dealing with recruiting fires and putting them out. And I'm not so sure John Gruden, who is a guy who absolutely loves football and wants to break down the X's and O's, he just sounds like an NFL coach to me, not a guy that wants to be doing that and hitting the road and all the things that go into recruiting, which, really make a college coach's life a pain. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there have been groomers every time the Notre Dame job opens up. Yeah, there, every right? time. Every time. I mean, when, Char- when Charlie Weiss was fired, there were groomers, and he was assembling a staff, if I remember correctly. Um, there were rumors or groomers of that as well. So, anyways, we'll see if it happens. I think they're going to get a good coach. I really do. I think, you know, if they can lure Dan Mullen away. But, you know, if Dan, if I'm Dan Mullen, do I want to leave Mississippi State where expectations are eight or nine wins every year is good? Uh, I don't have to face that pressure and those ridiculous expectations of Tennessee where everybody expects it to be the 1990s again. Um, or do I want to just stay where I know I have a commitment from – the athletic department to football. I know that I'm not expected to beat Nick Saban in the SEC West. Uh, I'm expected to be competitive. I'm expected to beat Ole Miss. I'm expected to go to bowl games. You know, I mean, I, I think really you leave because I think you leave because you realize, you know, he's a young guy. He's in his 40s. You realize that uh, there's not much else that can be done there. You've done everything possible. You've taken him the number one in the country. I mean, look at last week. You took Alabama to the last play, last couple plays of the game or whatever. Um, there's nothing more that can be done there. So if you're happy and content, that's fine. But something tells me <clears throat> coaches at that level aren't happy just winning eight and nine games and mailing it in for the rest of their career. I think I actually think, and I've read, <clears throat> I have no idea how true this is, that Dan Mullen's more interested in the Tennessee job than the Florida job. And it would kind of make sense um, you know, with some of the things going on behind the scenes at Florida, Tennessee is kind of a, a good break for him. He can get them to be competitive in the SEC East, and winning the SEC East is far, far easier than competing with Alabama and an Auburn team that a lot of people think is one of the best in the country, too. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense for him to be pursuing both the Tennessee and Florida jobs. Well, let's look at Florida, too. I mean, because they're the next one, obviously, that, that you talk about coaching search. And he's a, he's one of the three big names there with Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. But I don't think that's going to happen. There, there's been talk of, you know, Scott Strickland and, and Mullen butting heads at Mississippi State and, you know, Strickland wanting to hire his own guy. And, and as you mentioned, you know, you have Jeremy Foley in the background there. And um, I just don't think from everything I've heard that he's a guy who left Florida on good terms and 
isn't buddy buddy with the new athletic director that he worked under. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's Chip Kelly. That's my guess. And then I think Frost is going to go to Nebraska. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if Chip Kelly turns down the Florida job or gets another NFL job or just decides not to take it. It's going to be interesting to see who's two and three on that list. Obviously, Scott Frost is, but I would imagine that he wants to go to Nebraska. <clears throat> and so I don't know who that leaves in terms of three, four, and five. Um, you know, a lot of times the high, the higher that actually happens is the third or fourth option. Um, I just don't see Dan Mullen going to Florida and it working out seamlessly and smoothly. That's why I think Tennessee would probably be a better job for him, although everybody's still so locked in on, on John Gruden. Um, but, but Florida becomes interesting if Chip Kelly turns it down, which something in my gut tells me Chip Kelly's going to end up at Florida. Uh, I think he's going to come in and run his own offense. I saw a report this week that Steve Spurrier denied that he said he wanted Scott Frost instead of Chip Kelly. I have no idea if that was said, if that was said behind the scenes, who knows. Uh, but there are definitely people that are old Florida hands uh, still kind of in charge of that program. If not in charge, absolutely have a say at the table or are at least listened to during council. Um, and I don't know what kind of coach wants to go into that situation. If Chip Kelly does, he, he was going to have to go in with, you know, full control or, or he's going to have to come in and say, all right, I understand the situation here and I accept it and I, and I want to get back into coaching. Um, but if, if Kelly and Frost turn Florida down or th those aren't the options, it's going to be interesting to see where they go next. Charlie strong. That would be, would, that would be Will Muschamp all over again, wouldn't it? It would be interesting because I think Charlie Strong, when he was being looked at for the Tennessee job before they hired Butch Jones, I thought he would be a good fit at Tennessee because he was recruited in the SEC. He's worked at South Carolina. He's worked at Florida. He's got uh, the South Florida ties. He did a good job recruiting down in that area at, at Louisville. I thought that was a fit. Uh, not that he's a bad coach. I thought Texas was the worst fit humanly possible for Charlie Strong. He never got the support of anybody. He didn't know how to recruit the state of Texas. He tried to initially recruit, obviously, South Florida and bring those kids, and that didn't work. Um, it just wasn't a fit at all. It was, it was a horrible, horrible choice on his part. Now, again, he's got millions of dollars to show for it, so you can't say it's that horrible. But it, it hurt his reputation greatly. And this is a guy who had a great reputation, as I mentioned, at South Carolina, as, at, yeah. at Florida, as defensive coordinators. At Louisville, the job he did there was arguably better than, than Bobby Petrino's doing now. But he chose the wrong job. But Florida, I don't know. I think Charlie Strong might be successful there because that guy can recruit the state of Florida. I think if he put the proper staff around him, I think he could be successful. Um he was successful at Louisville with a bunch of Florida players. He could be successful at Florida with a bunch of Florida players. Yeah, that's um, the thing I think he needs, though, Mike, and, and that's the thing that has failed guys with the reputation as a defensive coach. Um, I think one guy that's actually done pretty well doing it is Gary Patterson at TCU, who is a defensive coach, but hired co-offensive coordinators that ran the offense pretty well in a Big 12 where you need to score points. I think that's kind of the magic... That, that needs to be done if you go Charlie Strong is you need to bring in guys uh, who don't want to run uh, straight up the middle like Will Muschamp had tried and, and you know, Jim McElwain couldn't figure out how not to do it. Uh, if you can bring in, uh, you know, offensive coordinators, a quarterback coach, a wide receivers coach running, you know, the, the offensive staff um, and, and kind of have co-head coaches there, uh, a lot of ways that defensive coaches have done 
I think it, I think it can actually work because, you know, Charlie Strong at USF is putting up points and I know it's USF, but he's still putting up points. Uh, and I think he'll be able to recruit the state better than anybody there. I think he could recruit it better than Jimbo and Mark Richt. Um, I think he'd be a phenomenal coach as defensively, but he would need to bring in the right staff offensively, or it would just be a redo of many years. And I know the fans and, you know, you know, that I don't think that should hold any weight in who you hire, uh, because I really do think that, uh, Charlie Strong is a, a terrific coach where, where Texas really kind of ruined his reputation. Um, fans would see that as just kind of a redo of what's been going on in Gainesville. But if you bring in the right offensive staff, I think it could work. Yeah. And fans would hate that hire. They'd yeah. absolutely hate it. But again, I, I think that's a good fit. Like I'm not, I, I've, I crapped on Charlie Strong from a high distance every day since he got hired at Texas. And I was right to do so, and I look like an absolute genius, even though the Texas fans still hate me for being <laughs> correct. But I would not crap on that hire. I don't think it would be a bad hire. I think they need also an offensive guy that can recruit offensive players because Muschamp isn't that guy. And Will Muschamp has learned a lot from what happened at Florida. He's having success at South Carolina. It's a different animal there, but uh, you know, maybe the first go around. You know, and this would be Charlie's third go around, fourth go around as a head coach. You know, maybe you learn from your mistakes, and and I think you'd just be much more comfortable there. So, now here's here's my thought process on Nebraska and Scott Frost. I know you mentioned that he probably wants to go home. I'm waiting now. Right now, the the the, the leverage is ridiculous. Nebraska is a completely desperate football program. Scott Frost is what every fan and alumni and everybody who writes a check to Nebraska wants. I think he's got him over a barrel. And the buyout right now is sort of your, um, you can't fire me for X amount of years yeah. because I have a buyout. you know. But I'm curious when the first contract is going to be signed by a coach that says, not only can you... Not only must you pay me more than the $2.9 million Mike Riley made this past year, and that's before bonuses and all that other stuff, which he obviously isn't going to hit many of those. Um, not only do I want a, a guaranteed massive buyout, but I also want to guarantee a written guarantee that you're not going to fire me for six years, period. End of story. Not just a buyout, a $40 million buyout or whatever Jimbo has, but you can't fire me for six years, period. And, and I know it's not in his contract, but I know those type of assurances were given to Matt Rule. Now, Matt Rule's contract information wasn't available in the USA Today database, so we don't know what his buyout was. But he was taking over a program that was so desperate for a, a good guy to take it over and just wipe the slate clean. I think Frost could go in there and his agent could say, here's what I want. I want... $6 million a year. I want uh, a buyout of, you know, $40 million that reduces by $6 million every year or whatever. And I want a guarantee of six years where I cannot be fired. Do you think any program, even as desperate as Nebraska, would do something like that? It would set a, it would set a pretty bad precedent. And, and I don't know if the agent would even be taken seriously, but Nebraska is in a, is in a desperate, desperate situation here. Um, you know, Mike Riley probably won't be retained. It's it's looking ugly. You know, Minnesota scores 55 on them or whatever they scored. And 
it looks like he's gone. And, and, and you're right. Scott Frost can kind of go in there and ask for whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> and, uh, you know, coaches are being paid in the tens and $11 million. That's, that's like a million dollars a game. They're being, they're being, uh, paid this year. So, you know, there, there's no bounds on what these people will ask for. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to ask for something like that. Um, but, but why would you? I mean, just ask for more money in your buyout, and they'll probably just give it to you anyway. Yeah, I know. I, I just think there's some coaches that don't want – like when you look at what happened to Riley, I mean, he's in year three. I don't think Scott Frost wants to take the Nebraska job when he's got, you know, other offers that may be, you know, on paper better offers. Yeah. And take that job and be run out after three years. Now, again, as a, as a former player and as an alum and all that, he's not going to, he's not going to get run out that quickly, but I think he could look for guarantees. But right now the biggest buyouts I see are, are Jimbo with 39 million and Dabo with his new contract of 40 million. Um, they pay very poorly at Nebraska. Um, I think if Scott Frost wanted to, he could get six million a year. I think he could probably get a guaranteed another three, four million for his assistance. Uh, have a massive buyout because after him, who you got? Les Miles. Yeah, maybe Matt um, Campbell takes that Matt job. Matt Campbell. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think you think the Nebraska fan base, which is probably the most rabid fan base, as you and I know, uh, in college football, and probably the best fan base when you're talking about a college program that considers its team its NFL franchise. I mean, they. this is the Green Bay Packers to people in, yeah. uh, in Nebraska. Um, do you think they're going to accept Les Miles or Matt Campbell after – trying to cheap out on frost and getting outbid by Florida or somebody else. Yeah. This they is another situation nuts. where, you know, t- we just talked about Tennessee that if they don't get John Gruden, whoever they get, they'll be disappointed with. And Nebraska, if they don't get Scott Frost, whoever they get, they're going to be disappointed with. And, you know, this is again, a te- this is again, a team with a roster, not exactly filled with big 10 champions on it. I don't think uh, they, they have a lot of work to do. Uh, to even win the Big Ten West. Wisconsin is by far the best team. They're not going anywhere. Iowa's a good team. They just lost by 30 points to Minnesota, for God's sake. So let alone beating Ohio State or Penn State, Michigan or Michigan State on a regular basis. So, of course, Scott Frost is going to need a lot more than three years to turn this thing around to a point where Nebraska fans want it to be. Not just a you know an 8-4 and four football team, but a team that is, again, in the national conversation and it looks like they're a far way off. If they get him, I think they can have the possibility of doing it because people are going to want to play for him. I think he has those Florida connections where he can recruit Florida. They already have the connections in California to do it, and they can kind of you know round out their roster with Midwest players. I mean, Wisconsin does that well. Iowa does it well. There are a lot of teams that recruit the Midwest pretty well and have a, a pretty good, at least, offensive line. Um, but it's going to take time. I mean, Mike Riley has been a disaster there, obviously. I think everybody can admit that now. Um, but, you know, in, in year three, if Scott Frost is having problems, you have to give him more time to turn this thing around because he's obviously a good coach. Um, and it's going to take it's going to take some time for this to turn into at least a Big Ten West champion to go to the Big Ten championship game kind of team. I, I'm going to disagree with you on one thing, though. I think Gruden is so pie in the sky that if they didn't get Gruden, but they ended up getting Dan Mullen, 
you know, or end up getting right, justified. Right, right, yeah. The, the volunteer fan base would be okay. Yeah. They, they would be fine. They, they've been through this groomers thing before, and they understand that if we don't get him. But you get a good coach. You know, you don't get someone from the MAC like, like Butch Jones. But if you get a good coach like Mullen or Fuente or somebody like that, I think they'll be happy. I think Nebraska fans would absolutely be miserable with Matt Campbell. I think they would be extremely upset with Les Miles. Um, I think they all want Frost because he's realistic. He's not pie in the sky. Right. He played there. He won a, a national championship there. Uh, the guy is Nebraska. So I think those fans are like, if we don't get him, whoever we get, because you know they're not going to get Dan Mullen. They're not going to get Chip Kelly. They're not going to get Justin Fuente. You know, they're, they're not exactly a program that's, that's really in the middle of recruiting heaven. You know, you got to really work hard to be successful at Nebraska. So if they get a Les Miles who would take any Power 5 job right now, or Matt Campbell who would consider Nebraska a huge step up for him, I think they'd be extremely upset. If you're Scott Frost, do you take the Florida job or the Nebraska job? I take I take the Nebraska job simply because I know I could get as much money out of them as I could Florida. I mean, McIlwain this past year was set to make $4.5 million. I know I could get $5 million out of Nebraska. They've got the money. The Big Ten is extremely lucrative. Uh, they make a ton of money. Even Rutgers and programs like that make a ton of money. Uh, so, and I know I would get a longer and better chance. Yeah. Now, I, I know I'd have a better chance at success at Florida to an extent of recruiting, and you know, it's it's a power program, and they've won national championships there at least more recently than Nebraska. Um, but you're also in the SEC. And SEC coaches get fired, as we're learning this year. We're going to have like four or five of them fired. Nebraska would probably give Scott Frost six years. And so I would take the Nebraska job if I'm him, um, even though it's a much, much, much more difficult job. Um, and he's in a crap division. I mean, that division stinks. Yeah. Uh, not that the SEC East is loaded, but the SEC East, we all know, is it's cyclical. It's going to come back. You know, you're going to have Georgia and Florida are going to be good programs. Tennessee is going to finally, eventually find a good coach. They're going to be good. South Carolina's building a little bit. Um, I don't know. The The Big Ten West is so bad that I think if I'm Scott Frost, I could go in there and compete in year two if I, if I can, you know, put the pieces together and turn things around. What about you, Dave Barry? Where are you going? If you're Scott Frost. <laughs> I agree with you. I think, like you said, he's going to get the most money he can out of Nebraska uh, as much as he can uh, from Florida because they're they're desperate. They're more desperate than Florida is. Florida's got a few other options out there. So I think Nebraska is the best fit for him. How cool would it be to be Scott Frost like right now? Knowing that Absolutely. The, the, the minimum you're going to get is probably $5 million a year. I think the coolest thing with Scott Frost years. right now is is he's going to Philadelphia this weekend, the best town in this country. Oh. <laughs> going to have a porchetta sandwich maybe. Oh. Um, God, How, what a lucky guy. Well, I don't like Philadelphia. I, it's not the people. It's It's just dumpy. <laughs> you I have mean, to embrace it, that, though. That's the beauty. No, of it. I don't. I don't want to embrace Dumpy. I mean, it's <laughs> you New England <laughs> snob, you upper crust might, New England it, snob. It might as well be. It's might as well be South Jersey. It's just Dumpy. <laughs> you know, everywhere, everywhere I go, 
where the football stadium and the baseball stadium is, is nice. You go to Pittsburgh, eh, it's kind of dumpy for the most part, and then you go straight to, you know, PNC and, and Heinz, and it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. You, even Cincinnati, which I think is dumpy. You go where the Bengals and the Reds play, it's gorgeous. Philadelphia, you go where the Phillies play and the Eagles play, it's dumpy. I'm like, it's just dumpy everywhere. I'm going to get death threats. from. Well, actually, nobody listens to this podcast, so I will, I'll get zero death threats from anybody, but I just think it's a dump. You just like it because you grew up in the one stoplight town, and that was the closest big city to you, and you guys probably took little family vacations to Philadelphia to look at all the garbage and eat cheesesteaks we, we were so poor we went dumb. we went to fill i live two hours north of philadelphia we went there once and we went to go see a philadelphia 76ers game and tree rollins remember him from the hawks he broke yeah he broke the backboard during warm-up dunks and my dad was so mad <laughs> he went outside and smoked cigarettes the rest of the night <laughs> why was he mad that tree broke the backboard because then it took like three hours to replace the ah, thing we didn't get home until yeah. after 2 a.m he was not happy Tree's famous for biting Danny Ainge, and that's, I didn't <laughs> right. know he broke a backboard. But that's that's a sad family story. We were so poor that we got to Philadelphia once. once. Tree Rollins <laughs> ruined it for us. He just ruined everything. Was Tree Rollins on the Hawks at the he time? He was on the Hawks, yeah. Him, Dominique Wilkins, Spud Webb. Oh, that's a pretty good game you saw there. Yeah, it was good. So, Barkley was on the Sixers then. Uh, oh, Mo nice. Cheeks. Yeah, it was a pretty good game, but... Uh, my dad wasn't too happy that night. Well, hopefully he took it out on you and just <laughs> peppered you with left and right hooks when you got home. Right. <laughs> because that's just kind of the angry person that I am. And then the other job that's out there, I mean, we all know Kevin Sumlin's going to be fired. I don't see any big names for this. The Jimbo Fisher rumors are laughable to me. I mean, if that happens, I would be shocked. I mean, Jimbo's trying to obviously use this like he did with LSU and but Jimbo's going to have to fire some coaches. The only way I could see Jimbo leaving Florida State is if he refuses to fire coaches, which they're going to make him do. Yeah. And he stands up. But Jimbo's out is $39 million. He's not giving that money up. Hate to break it to everybody. And Florida State's not paying it. So these rumors about A&M swiping Jimbo away, uh, not only would they have to pay probably more than his $5.7 million salary, but they would have to pay a large chunk of that buyout. If they want to do that, great, but it's not going to happen. So Chad Morris, you drop from Jimbo to Chad Morris. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I looked up a hot board, which is, you know, take it, those with a grain of salt as much as you want. Uh, the leading name, Chip Kelly. <laughs> you know, I mean, you might as well put John Gruden on that list. You know, Chad, you know, Chad Morris is an option. Dave Aranda, I saw as a name. Matt Campbell, I saw as a name. I, I just don't see where you go here. Like why, why those options are better. I know you want a fresh start at A and M, and things are not exactly working out. Um, but the names for these for that job are are very very light uh, compared to the other jobs in the country. I even saw Larry Fedora as one of the the hot names for the Texas A and M job, and his team is one and eight this season. So. Two, two and eight. They they won another game. Oh, that's right. Two and eight. I'm sorry. They beat. Uh, so he could be he could be going up the board i saw neil brown the troy coach i mean you're gonna fire kevin sumlin for the troy coach or well matt campbell who's 37 i i just don't get it. i just don't get the the impetus to fire this guy right now i know it's not working out but for god's sakes you're gonna just fire him to fire him i honestly think there's a possibility of chip kelly to texas a&m if florida doesn't you know work out 
uh, he he went down there, I think, during one off season, whether it was this past off season or not, to work out, you know, with the coaches as far as, you know, going over plays and stuff like that. He's got a he's got a small connection to the program itself. He recruited Texas, not that he recruited, he didn't recruit much at all at Oregon, but his staff recruited Texas fairly well when he was at Oregon. And I could see him taking that job because of his ego, because, you know, A, he, he'd want to be the bigger fish than Texas and, you know, uh, show that he's better than than Tom Herman. And, and I yeah. think he would, wouldn't mind competing with Nick Saban in that conference. So I could see Chip Kelly as a possibility. Um, it's not like Chip Kelly's on the top list for every job out there. Um you know, it's Florida. We've heard about the NFL is not going to hire Chip Kelly. Nobody is. I mean, yeah. he had full control in Philadelphia. That turned out to be a disaster. He went to San Francisco. He was awful. I don't know how, what he lasted—a year or two years. A year, yeah. I mean, the guy's hard to work with. He's, he's by all accounts not the nicest person in the world. Um, but somebody desperate like A and M would definitely roll out some money for him. So I could see that one happening, but. When when I see Jimbo Fisher and Chip Kelly and and if they strike out on those big names, then you see you know Chad Morris and some others. You, you just you wonder if they're going to make a splash at all or if they're just going to head backwards. Um, and that's one coaching search that nobody seems to really care about. Now again, guy's not fired yet, just like Riley. So until they're fired, there is no coaching search. But I think we all know that he's probably gone. And Arkansas is the one that nobody really cares about. I mean, he's gone. And I don't think anybody really cares, you know, maybe Norvell will take that job or maybe they'll, you know, go the defensive route and hire Brent Venables or somebody like that. But to A&M and Arkansas are the two jobs, along with Ole Miss, that nobody seems to care about who's being hired or who's being looked at. Yeah, everybody's so wrapped up in Tennessee, Florida and Nebraska. A&M would be interesting. Chip Kelly in the same division. Uh as as Nick Saban, Gus Malzahn in the same state as Tom Herman, that just seems like a job where you get squeezed so hard. It's so tough to recruit against Tom Herman, who's been doing a much better job this recruiting cycle. Uh, Oklahoma goes into Texas and gets guys. I don't know if Chip Kelly is going to go in there and just immediately start getting four and five star guys to go to Texas A and M immediately. Um, well, they go there now. It would be an, they go there now. Yeah, I mean they recruit yeah. really well. It's just that they can't develop anything, but they, they recruit yeah. very well. I mean, they're the number two team in Texas, so you're going to get good players. I don't think recruiting would be a problem. I just think that, you know, you're you're in the SEC West. You gotta beating just, Alabama you know, would be a problem, well, yeah. And even beating, you know, consistently programs like LSU and Mississippi State and Auburn. I mean, you can't, Auburn, you can't beat yeah. those programs either. So, um, but it would be nice to see Chip Kelly back in college football because his offense is exciting and he's, he's a good soundbite. And it'd be nice if Gruden went to Tennessee because that would be, I think as exciting as Harbaugh at Michigan. And it'd be nice to see, you know, maybe uh, it would be nice to see Frost obviously at, at, at Nebraska because of the expectations would instantly be undefeated season and, uh, you know, playoff. Um, so I think all these things, It'd be great if some of these things occurred um, and we could see, you know, some exciting hires. I'm just worried that we're going to end up getting Charlie Strong at Florida. We're going to end up getting Jeff Brom at Tennessee. Uh, yeah. And and we're going to end up getting, you know, Matt Campbell at Nebraska. And it's just going to be like boring, boring, boring hires. So hopefully. But speaking of not boring is the decommitments. As I said, I think these are occurring a lot, you know, because of 
the early signing period, and I, I rated them yesterday in my riveting three-point stance. And man, that that went over well. Going on certain message boards and saying, "Hey, where does your decommitment rank amongst the, <laughs> the amongst the ones in the nation?" People don't think you're a troll when you do that. And and here's what I hate about this world, right? And I blame the millennials because I'm not one. Here we go. Yep. Get ready. Everything's a troll. Everything. If you say the truth to somebody, hey, you know what? Your team stinks. Tennessee, your team stinks. You haven't won a game in the SEC. You're such a troll. No, no. What I'm telling right. you is the truth. Your team stinks. You're horrible. You stink. That How is that a troll? But every truth bomb in this world is suddenly a troll. And I think that's millennials. I blame Rob Cassidy and the rest of them. I definitely blame <laughs> Rob Cassidy. And the other thing I don't like on message boards is when you put something there and the first comment is clickbait. Oh, that's the other thing too. Is like every link you drop is clickbait. It's clickbait. And every negative thing you possibly have to say about anything, you're a troll. You're a troll. And yeah. so, so those are your two choices. If you go on there and you have something positive to say, like Baker, then it's get out. Baker Mayfield is my <laughs> Heisman leader, you know, and not that that's a big deal now, but he was my Heisman leader. I think like maybe a week before the rest of the national uh, pundits, and I'm not a Heisman voter, so what I say doesn't matter. Nobody gives a crap about my opinion. You go on there, it's like, oh, clickbait. Uh, yep, we knew that, idiot. At, or, and then if you go on there and say, wow, Oklahoma's defense stinks, and so does the Big Twelve, you're a troll. You're such a troll. troll. I can't believe you're such a troll. I mean, did you see what we did in the bowl games last year? Uh, <laughs> our defense is held up, man. It's just really good offense in the Big 12, and that's what makes it so difficult to be a defensive uh, coach and, and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you watch. I watched the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game, and I watched um, Oklahoma and TCU. I watched each of them twice because I'm a massive loser. The tackling in there was unbelievably bad. I mean, so bad. All they do is they throw their body at the guy. There's no attempt to wrap up at all. It's just... Yeah, it's like all shoulder hits. It's no, no, no arms. Everything, everybody's just diving at somebody, hoping that they knock him off balance. And uh, who is it? Rodney Anderson was the guy. Uh, I mean, he bounced off so many horrendous tackles. It's almost like these defensive coaches are teaching you how to tackle. Okay, here it is. This is how you tackle. Take your body and throw it at his hip and see what happens. That's how they teach him to tackle. So anyways, I was a troll yesterday because I said that Cade Mays was the number one D commitment and Brad, Brendan Radley-Hiles, Buki was the number two D commitment. But there's a lot of big ones here. I mean, honestly, you could look at Mays being number one because he's an in-state guy who dreamed of playing for Tennessee and, and his D commitment's like, wow, that's a big deal. That kid, you know, bleeds orange. Or you could look at Buki because he was such an important part of that class. But honestly, the two quarterbacks on this list, Jaron Williams from Kentucky and James Foster from Missouri, those really hurt. Uh, Jaron Williams was a two-time commitment to Kentucky, and Foster was a guy that's running a little under the radar that Missouri really liked um, as a guy that could change their offense a bit. And uh, I think those two are near the top of my list there because of that. Um, but, man, these deep commitments are coming They're coming pretty fast, as you can tell by the amount of emails we're getting on Sting Factors. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Maze is obviously a big one, and Buki is a big one because he is fantastic, uh, really all over the field and, and would have been phenomenal at Nebraska. And Nebraska needs that, you know, injection of talent that Buki would have been, been able to offer, and now they're not going to get. The quarterbacks hurt. I mean, Missouri will be fine. Their offense runs so well, as my lock of the week have pr- has proven for the last month. Uh, if you followed that, you'd probably be driving a Mercedes around now. Uh, but, uh, the, what was I going to say about, oh, Missouri, I'm not taking them as my lock of the week this week, Mike, because 90% of the bets are on Missouri and the line has not moved. So I'm finally off of them. Uh, I think I already sent mine in and I don't care. I'm like three and eight in my locks because I don't really, uh, honestly, (laughs) and this is just, I'm being honest. I don't put a lot of time and thought into it. It's like fantasy football for me. It's like I'm not one of those guys that's waiting till 12.01 on Monday night to, to, to look at the waiver wire and pick up the, the guy who's going to replace this guy who blew out his knee or all that other garbage. I look at it, I, I look through the games, and I'm like, oh, well, that, that line looks kind of odd. Let me take that. Like last week I took Colorado <laughs> uh, getting 13.5 to cover against USC, and USC won by 14. And I'm like, but I'm, yeah. but I'm, like, I'm thinking, okay, it's in the cold. USC doesn't care about anything. They'll be cold. They'll play flat. Darnold will turn the ball over. And then I flip on the game, and everybody's wearing short sleeves. And I'm like, what the hell? Why is it? <laughs> you didn't check the weather before no, the game. No, because they don't yeah. care. Why is it seasonably warm in Colorado? It was 26 degrees Saturday in Connecticut. So I assume it's got to be negative 26 in Colorado because it's colder there than it is here. And it was warm. And... And they won by two touchdowns because they didn't have to sit on the heated benches and they didn't have to, you know, go through the arduous process of trying to keep warm. And and so my lock sucks, (laughs) but all my locks suck. So I don't even remember what my lock is this week. But I will tell you this. When you're looking at a team that could lose, (laughs) this is crazy, I know. (laughs) What if Virginia beats Miami? You know, if there's a letdown game on the schedule, it is this game because Virginia is not not bad and can move the ball and has been decent this season and is six and four and, you know, all those things. Now, will Miami come out and crush them? Um, North Carolina. I know. I know. It could be interesting. It, It could be interesting and it would. And, you know, I know we don't want to get into this, but it would it would still rage the debate if, if a one loss ACC team would get in, even if it was Miami. I don't even know if this game matters, no, it matters. in terms if, of the if final. If Miami four. loses to Virginia and beats Clemson, there's don't they don't get in. in. Yeah, because this is a letdown spot. This is definitely a letdown spot. So. It could be close. I, I just don't see. I, I would just hope to think that this Miami team is mature enough and has the chain ready and Mark Richt has them ready because Virginia is not a bad football team. They're well coached and they can they can move the ball. Yeah, Ben Kurt could throw the ball and I don't know. It's just one of those things where I just saw that game and, and I knew it was coming, but such a, a potential letdown game. So if we're picking... A potential upset from outside the top 25 against a top 25 team. That is uh, that is the one that I'm going to pick, which I know I'm crazy, but um, 
I'd be better off picking like a Kansas State over Oklahoma State or somebody like that, or Maryland over Michigan State because Michigan State's garbage. But um, what's it's yours? The only top twenty-five matchup of the week uh, is uh, Michigan at oh, Wisconsin. Such a horrible week. Such a horrible week. You think uh, you think Michigan can go up there and, and muscle no, them a little bit? No, I know their quarterback plays better and he's not turning the ball over, but Wisconsin's going to run through them. I, and th- that defense is very good, and I believe in Don Brown, but. I've watched Wisconsin quite a bit. Hornybrook stinks. Don't get me wrong. I think he's not a playoff caliber quarterback. I think he's got a noodle arm, and he's a lefty, so he's got a lot of things working against him. But that offensive line is so massively dominant that I just I know there's talent. I know there's Mo Hurst and Rashawn Gary and guys like that at, at Michigan. They will just end up wearing him down. I don't think they have the depth this year. Um, so I don't think Michigan pulls the set there. If they did, uh, you have to assume the Big Ten is, is, is out because Ohio State, if, if they beat Wisconsin, it's not going to be nearly as big a victory uh, if, if Wisconsin falls from 5 to 10. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you would have to think that. The, the, in ter- I know we don't do hot, gar- hot garbage on Thursday, but Illinois getting 41 points at Ohio State. I mean, that is just embarrassing. And, and uh, you know, Ohio State can cover it. I, I could see a 55-10 kind of game, yeah, can't you? Yeah, that's another one where, uh, you know, when you look at the buyouts, for you wonder how these buyouts are negotiated. You just, you just wonder how Lovey Smith can get the buyout that he's got. I mean... It's amazing. You go down the right side of the the USA Today database and you look for big numbers. And you're just like, uh, da, 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 da. and then you find Lovey, which I'm trying to find right now, because what's amazing, and I know million, this is getting me on the soapbox, but dollars uh, is his to call this amateur athletics is is such a joke, and 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 it does such an injustice to the players. You, you, Lovey Smith has a sixteen million dollar buyout. Sixteen point five. Yeah, it's it's it. It's He's it. two and eight, two and eight, and a forty-one point underdog going well, into Ohio State. Well, technically, it is week. amateur athletics because the kids don't get paid. So, and don't give down your soapbox about the kids being paid and all that stuff because, you know, when you pay somebody, you pay them on scale. You pay them based on what they're worth. So, you know. You can't pay them all the same amount, and then you get into, well, who gets paid more and all this other stuff. Well, yeah, you work it like the professional system. Some, LeBron gets paid more than the last guy on the bench. Yeah, it's how do you simple. do that? That's not simple. Then who's negotiating these uh, payments? Whoever whoever wants to represent so the kids. They they represent 19-year-old basketball players in the NBA. Why can't they represent 22-year-old so football agents? players? Can they have agents when they're in high school and negotiate those contracts coming the, into college? The coaches, the coaches in college have agents. Why can't the you players? You and I would be dealing with agents for seventeen-year-old high school kids. I'm not saying it'd be good for us, but I'm just I'm looking well, out for the kids. And the kids Mike. would also be negotiating their uh, payout with every school, so recruiting would be paid. Good. For play. Just stop. Stop. Working. That's. Okay, let's not yes. pay kids let's not pay when them. when the schools are making millions of dollars when coaches. Are making eleven, twelve million dollars a year. A kid could should get zero dollars and have to go to class yeah. at eight a.m. That's because the right he gets a free approach. Education. Oh, okay. That's that's. They shouldn't get paid. Part. Forget about it. 
Well, oh, it's boy. you're such it's, a non-millennial. It's not that they get paid. There's, I'm a troll. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way you can pay them. You can't figure out how to do it. It's just. I mean, eventually it'll happen. Hopefully, I'll be long dead. But you just can't figure out a way to do it. It's very easy to figure out, and it's it's more than possible. The coach makes twelve million dollars a year. If you paid the coach ten million dollars a year, you have two million dollars to pay your team. It's not. You can't do it. So. You can't. I'm telling you. So, okay, okay. JT Barrett. How much does he make? However, whatever the, whatever his market value is, whatever well, a school is willing Barrett's to pay him. Market value seems to change every other game. We work for a company of thousands and thousands of people, and and someone has figured out how to pay us. I'm sure they can figure out how to pay 70 football players. You get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I should get paid more for this podcast since I'm providing so many yeah, good it's points. Awesome. I think it's Once actually... those sponsorship dollars come through, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm I don't even for it, think baby. we need to go through predictions because these games all suck. Yeah, there's not I mean, much I, I got going Wisconsin beating Michigan. Do you have Michigan pulling the upset? I like... Uh, no, I, th- I think it'll be a close game. Probably higher scoring than people think it's going to be. The game I'm, I like is uh, Texas Tech beating TCU. Kenny Trill might be out. Uh, going to Lubbock isn't easy. TCU's had a tough haul of it. I think Texas Tech might be able to you know pull what? that I upset. Think that, I think that was my lock, which was TCU covering the seven. I, th- I really do believe that. Now that I think about it, I think I looked at that game and I'm like, <laughs> why is this only seven? Uh, even if Trill Hill is out, Texas Tech... It, they're not going to beat them. And I, I think TCU's yeah. pretty ticked off, and I think the defense plays a little better than it did before. And I don't know. I think that is my lock. So we have uh, differing opinions on that. Your Red Raider guy is – I'm not very popular on the Red Raider message board because of uh, a certain offensive lineman that wasn't rated high enough like two years ago. But um, And the fact that I wasn't a big Patrick Mahomes guy coming out uh, of, of college as far as an NFL first-round draft pick. But – I don't know. These games all suck. Uh, I, I don't really yeah. like any of them. There's going to be upsets. I mean, we know there's going to be some sort of anarchy. It wouldn't shock me at all if Navy pulled an upset against Notre Dame or at least made it closer than an 18-line. That 18-point line is... I think Tennessee could actually make it interesting against LSU. Really? How is that possible? Well, because now they're re-energized. Brady Hoke's going to be wearing a yeah. headset, I read. No, I That's important. That. The, just like Florida's been re-energized under Randy Shannon. It's the same <laughs> exactly thing. I mean, right. it's a retread coach who was horrible at his job when he had a big job rolling these guys out there to get pummeled. <laughs> I think they're going to get destroyed. And LSU's not a very good football team, so I think they're going to get destroyed. But we're up on the 51-minute uh, mark, so let's get rid of this. Let's finish this garbage and move on so we can do our, our next one on Monday. All right. Well, let's remind everybody you can follow us on Twitter at RealDaveBerry, at Adam Gordney, and at RivalsMike. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. That helps, helps us a lot. We will see you guys again next week. <laughs>